Well, let the church say a big amen. So, so glad to be back with you today as we gather online to worship the Lord in beauty of His holiness and uh, just excited to have all of you with us today. I uh, trust you've had a good week. We're getting excited about uh, gathering back together in person before too much longer. In fact, three weeks from today, the Lord willing, we will begin that process first Sunday of June, June 7th. And Lord willing, this week we'll be getting some information out to you that will give specific instruction as to how we'll have to phase that back in. But uh, it's going to be exciting. We have missed seeing your smiling faces, and uh, we can't wait to come back and worship in uh, our sanctuary on this campus. And uh, let's just uh, keep one thing in mind. Everything is subject to change as we go through this pandemic. But uh, God is with us. We're going to hear it in the Word this morning. God is not nervous. He's got this. So uh, let's just continue to pray and seek God's direction and wisdom as we move forward. So thankful for the great praise and worship in here this morning. He's here. Hallelujah. I'm glad you're tuned in. Let's get ready to get in the Word. Today, it's Romans chapter 12, some of my favorite scripture in all of the Bible. And uh, we're in a series that we've titled Holy Living. And it's leading up to Pentecost Sunday, which will be the last Sunday of this month. It's, it's after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, headed towards His ascension back into heaven, and the promise that He's going to pour His Spirit out on uh, you and I. And, and so as we talked last week, don't get confused with some of the terminology when it comes to theological uh, experiences like entire sanctification. We want you to have everything God has for you. And, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of His Spirit is what we're after in this study. You be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. That's the message from cover to cover in Scripture. And, and God wouldn't uh, ask uh, us to enter into an experience that He wouldn't deliver and give to us. So uh, as we talked about it in the context of perfect love a couple of weeks ago, that's the essence of God, His character. He is holy and He is love. And He wants to give us that, that, that character. Last week we talked about a definite experience where uh, the Old Testament love slave out of Deuteronomy chose to serve his master for life, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. Now today we're going to go into the New Testament with this message. Again, Romans chapter 12, and this will be more familiar than the Old Testament language of last week. Romans 12, and let's read verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God has something better for us. And then listen to this. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good will, His pleasing will, and even His perfect will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we get into this Word today, I pray that this Word will come alive inside of each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray that we will experience, Lord, what it means to be filled with Your Spirit to the point of overflowing, to live in Your divine presence and be a winning witness to this world in which we live. And we'll give you thanksgiving and praise for all that you do. It's in the strong, strong name of Jesus we pray and ask it all. And everyone in agreement say, Amen. As we get into Romans 12, I think it would be good for us just to back up. If you have your Bibles, and we'll have it on the screen as well, Romans chapter 11 builds the case for what Paul is going to present to us. And I want you to go ahead and write down in your notes, number one, fill this blank in, Paul builds the case for us to trust God with our lives. Paul is going to present his case, and it's almost like a lawyer that is putting the evidence out there And he's going to basically say, when I get done with this, there's only one reasonable response on your part, on my part. So so let's get a little background information here before we break down Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Back into Romans chapter 11, verse 33, 34, 35, and 36. Here's what Paul says as he wants us to understand just how great God is and how big God is. We can trust Him with our lives. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. Now what Paul is basically saying there is we serve one supreme being. One all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God who's in control of this universe. He's not nervous with what is going on right now in our world. He's got this. And Paul is saying, if you just understand how great God is, how mighty He is, there's only one reasonable response And that is we should surrender our lives totally and completely unto Him. So now he's going to ask a couple of questions here. Look at verse 34. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Now now let's just break that down and put it into our language today. It'd be kind of like this. When did you ever get a phone call and it was God? And he said something like this, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's me up here in heaven. Sorry to bother you down there on earth. But uh, we're kind of in a quandary up here, and we're in a, uh, a board meeting, and uh, we see what's going on down there on planet earth, and with this pandemic and everything that's going on, and 
we've got to tell you, we're confused up here. We need some advice. Could you help me get through this? When did you ever get a phone call from God like that? I have a friend, he says, God will ask us for a lot. In fact, Church of the Nazarene, we have a high commitment message, this message of entire sanctification. He wants us to fully surrender our lives. But I love what my friend says. He says, one thing God never will ask of us is for advice. How many know God's not nervous today? He's got this. Paul says it like this, who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? and given him advice. What he's driving at is you can trust him with your life. Then look at verse 35. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? Now how about this question? When did you ever get a phone call from God and he said, Hey, it's me again. Sorry to bother you down there on planet Earth. But, yeah, we're back in a board meeting again, and uh, we're really struggling with all that's going on down there on planet Earth. And fact is, I mean, we've, we've kind of taken a hit financially. And uh, we, we need a stimulus check. We need a bailout. Could you help me? Could you lend me a few thousand? Now, see, that's ridiculous. Paul's saying no one has ever had to give God a loan. No one has ever had to bail God out. He's all-sufficient. He's got this. No one's ever counseled him. No one's ever had to support him. And what Paul is driving at, again, is you can trust him with your life. Let's go one more verse, verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Paul's building a case. The God we serve He's in control. He's not nervous. No one's ever counseled him. No one's ever had to support him. He's got this. Now you move into chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore. Therefore. Now write this down, number two in your notes. Therefore is a bridge word. It connects what Paul has just said to what he's about to say. So now get this, because we serve one supreme being, one almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God who's in control of this universe, therefore, we can trust Him with our lives. So now he's going to give us instruction what He wants us to do. And as we've talked about the experience of entire sanctification, it goes beyond a definite experience. God saves us. God sanctifies us. But then every day there's this practical living out, the experience. Holy living is not just uh, uh, an experience at an altar of prayer, and then we get up and forget about it. No, every day Paul is going to say in New Testament language, this is what we are to do. 
as children of God, filled with His Holy Spirit, saved and sanctified. Here's what I want you to do. Therefore, here it comes, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is something we need to do every day. It is your spiritual act of worship. Now, I just want to do a few word studies there in verse 1. I told you this is some of my favorite Scripture in all of the Bible. In your notes, number 3, the word urge. I'm in the NIV this morning. I really like the King James translation. I think it gets closer to what really is intended here. The King James says, I beseech you to do this. I urge you to do this. Beseech is a great word, but it's not a common word in our English vocabulary today. You, you, you don't hear uh, parents say to their children, I beseech you, do your homework. I beseech you, go clean up your room. You don't hear that kind of language today. But let me, again, do a little word study here. Write this down. Beseech, urge is a strong word. Let me give you a picture of it. It's a red face. It's a raised voice. It's full of emotion. Write that down. It is not a wimpy suggestion. Paul is saying, because we serve this one supreme being, this incredible, all-powerful, all-knowing God, no one's ever advised him, no one's ever counseled him, no one's ever had to give him a loan or a bailout. He's got this. Therefore, our reasonable act of worship every day is to present our bodies as living sacrifices, the love slave of the Old Testament. Paul is saying in the New Testament, this is just the norm. This is how we live, fully surrendered to God. I urge you to do this. This is so important. And then now number four in your notes, brothers and sisters, I urge you in view of God's mercy, present your bodies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, Number four in your notes, brothers and sisters is an intimate word. Now what I want you to get out of this, it indicates, it means that you are already part of the family of God. Again, the church of the Nazarene, we believe that God saves us and then we have a second definite experience of grace where God can sanctify us. And, and it happens after we have been born again. Again, the illustration last week was the love slave. He was serving his master, and he had free will to do anything he wanted to go, but he chooses to stay and says, there's no place I'd rather be than in the center of your will. There's no one I'd rather serve than my master. And, and, and this New Testament phraseology indicates that we're already part of the family of God. Brothers, sisters, it's an intimate word, and now this is just the norm. This is what is expected of us. It's our reasonable 
act of worship, the Scripture says. We're part of the family of God. We want to sign up for life. We just want to make a pledge. I will serve you because I love you all the days of my life. I'm not going to be tempted to to stray, and I'm not going to neglect my great salvation. I'm in this for life. You gave everything for me, and now I give my life in surrender to you. I urge you to do this, brothers and sisters. And then number five in your notes begins to talk about mercy. I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices unto God in view of God's mercy. Now let's talk about that for just a little bit. Mercy in this context is a military word. And what it literally means is to withhold. Now, I find it interesting that Paul uses the word mercy here. I consider Paul to be the grace man. I mean, there's no one better at describing the grace of God. By grace we are saved through faith. Paul is the master at describing the grace of God. Now, we make the distinction between grace and mercy. They're very similar but different. Grace is the giving nature of God. Watch this. Mercy is the withholding nature of God. Now, grace, we get excited about getting something we don't deserve. And I mean, we're, we're, we're bound to uh, jump and shout and uh, break out into a holy dance as we get excited about the God of a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. His grace is incredible. But now watch this. Mercy is we do not get what we really do deserve. Think that one through. All we like sheep have gone astray. We deserved a devil's hell if you want the truth. But God in His withholding nature says, I'm going to give you mercy. Now again, it's a military term in this context. And here's the picture. It's a stronger soldier on top of a weaker soldier that has fallen. And the stronger soldier literally has the sword at the weaker soldier's throat, foot on chest, ready to let him have it, ready to end his life, but mercy pulls the sword away. Mercy takes the foot off the chest. Mercy reaches down and picks up the weaker soldier and says, let's not fight, let's be friends. Mercy is the withholding nature of God. We deserve death. All we like sheep have gone astray, destined for a devil's hell. But God, in His great love and mercy, reaches down and picks us up. Now remember what Paul was saying. He's building a case here. If you understand how great God is, what He's done for you, what He's provided for you, how He can lead you, guide you, provide for you, there's only one reasonable response. When we understand that, it's for us, brothers and sisters, 
part of the family of God, to every day offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Do this in view of God's mercy, Paul is saying. And then let me give you a couple more. Verse uh, 1, we're still in verse 1. Number 6 in your notes, the word is offer. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Offer is an active word. It indicates personal choice. This is not something you have to do. It's something that we choose to do. Again, the thesis out of that message last Sunday with the love slave in the Old Testament, free to go, free will to do anything he wants, but I choose to stay and serve my master all the days of my life. No place I'd rather be. No one I'd rather serve. I'm in it for life. I urge you, Paul says, do this. And what I want you to understand in the message today, holy living is a choice every day. As we get up every morning, this should be our mantra, if you please. Okay, Lord, I'm presenting. I'm offering. This is active on our part, not passive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer myself afresh and anew. I want you to hear that word active. I want you to hear that word daily. I want you to understand that entire sanctification is, is yes, a definite experience, but then it's a process every day. Holy living in action. Not perfect performance. Remember, we talked about perfect love. Yes, there are going to be times that we make mistakes and we do wrong, but every day we come to the Lord and surrender fully, afresh and anew. We offer. It's a choice. It's, it's, it's you and I voluntarily surrendering unto the Lord. And now, here, here the offering is described. I, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, what in the world is that? I put in your notes, write this down, number seven, living sacrifice appears to be an oxymoron. And you know what an oxymoron is. A stark contrast like jumbo shrimp. How about this one, an honest politician? Probably shouldn't say that. But we're talking about something that is, is a stark contrast Paul says, I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What that literally means is living death. Sacrifice is death in the context in which this is written. Again, as you come out of the Old Testament into the New, sacrifice, oh, these people were very familiar with the altar of sacrifice. And the fact that blood was spilled and life was given. Now Paul is saying, I want you to offer your bodies, your lives unto God in such emphasis that self is dead. That it's no longer my will, 
but thine be done. That's Bible language. Paul, again, says this masterfully in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Death. I have been crucified with Christ. But, a conjunction, there's more to come. Paul says, I'm alive. And he says, what's amazing, I'm more alive than I've ever been alive before. What is it? It's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, the resurrection goes into the Pentecost message. Because I live, you can live in fullness, in greater experience than ever before. If you choose daily, Lord, I want to stay on that altar of surrender, consecration, not my will, thine be done. See, this is that whole message of getting rid of self-centeredness, carnality, this, this meism that just drives our society. Everything's about me. No. Paul says, if we're going to live in the fullness of the Spirit and truly be a love slave of Jesus Christ, we have surrendered our will and our way to Him. And now we want Him to live through us. And what happens with this living sacrifice, we're dead to self and the old and the ugly that He's forgiven, but we're alive to that new nature, that new creation, the very essence of the Almighty Himself, holiness. You be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. That's not some unrealistic ask. Again, God wouldn't demand this of us if He couldn't deliver the promise and experience to us. But it takes a choice on our part. I urge you every day, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's where we understand He's in charge. I'm dead to self. I've been crucified with Christ. But nevertheless, I live. And I live in a greater measure and experience than I've ever lived before. And it's all because of Him. Now let's start wrapping this up in here today. Back page of your notes, number 8. When you truly trust God, remember, that's what Paul's asking for. When you understand how great God is, He's not nervous. He's got this. No one's ever counseled Him. No one's ever advised Him. No one's ever had to give Him a loan. When you understand how great our God is and you fully trust Him, the only reasonable response, write that down, is for us to voluntarily surrender to Him. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Here it is. This is your spiritual act of worship, your reasonable response and then again right down the thesis from that last week not because you have to but because you want to now we've dealt with verse one don't really have time to get into verse two let me just read it and then i'll give you a summary of what we've talked about in here today do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world 
There's going to be a change in our daily life. We're talking about holy living. We're, 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 we're wanting to get away from earthly, fleshly, dirty living. And we want to live in the purity of His holiness. Again, not perfect performance, perfect love. When you mess up, when you do something you shouldn't do, and I promise you there's room for repentance in the saved and sanctified life. What do we do? Every day present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. And then let God guide us. Watch what happens when we put our all on the altar, including our mind. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, that's interesting. It doesn't say by the removing of your mind. There, there's a few uh, messages out there on the Christian market today that kind of say just uh, don't even uh, use your mind. Just trust in God. No, there's this balance. God wants us to use what He's blessed us with. But every day, put your all on the altar, including your mind, and then watch this. He's going to guide you. Then you will be able to test and approve. That means you'll be able to know what God's will is. His pleasing and His perfect will for your life. Now that's exciting. Let me wrap it up. In your notes, under the conclusion. This is kind of my summary. And it sounds like another sermon outline. Probably could be, but... Uh, I just want to use it to wrap up with today. Three things summarizes this message. Number one, we do what we desire. Write that down. We do what we desire. If I've learned anything in 35 years of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know what it is? People pretty much do whatever they want to do. We can have a lot of good intentions, but we end up doing what we desire. Uh, that, that's just the way it is. But let's see if we can get a little better than that. Number two, we reflect what we revere. Write that one down and think it through. We reflect, we give off what we revere, what we love. Now, the easy illustration of that, think of your favorite college football team. And, I mean, we wear the colors proud, don't we? We put the jersey on, and we don't mind standing up even in enemy territory for the team we love. We reflect what we revere. Think of our lives in Christ today. When people see us coming, do they see the jersey? Do they see the colors of the Almighty Himself? Think about that. By the way we live. Our lives are walking billboards. We're constantly giving advertisement. We do what we desire, but let's get a little deeper. We reflect what we revere. Now let's go to the highest level. Number three, we serve what we surrender to. 
Now, that's the question this morning. What have you surrendered your life to? I hope it's more than money. I hope it's more than just a certain job. I hope it's more than just some of the creature comforts of this life. When we give everything to God, there is no higher level of living. We call it holy living. You be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Father, would you take this word home to our hearts today? And Father, I pray that we would do what the Apostle Paul has instructed us to do today. And that is to freely, voluntarily surrender everything we are, everything we ever hope to be on the altar of sacrifice. Even to the point that we could say with Paul, I'm dead to self. I'm alive in Christ. Oh yes, we're still human. And Lord, we're going to make mistakes. But every day we're going to keep coming back to this altar and we're going to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And we want you to renew our minds. I pray for someone watching this morning that is needing to make some major decisions. And they're seeking your will. Lord, I pray that they would just present themselves afresh and anew on your altar and you'll give them your good will, your pleasing will, your perfect will today. Lead, guide, and direct all of us. Give us a special blessing as, Lord, we go out from here today and serve You this week. Can't wait to see what You're going to do in the days to come. Now accept our praise as, as Kevin leads us here. In Jesus' name, amen.